Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Welcome to The Beat. I am Ari Melber. And after all this breaking news coverage of Trump's indictment, we've been at the table, all of our colleagues following this. Tonight, we turn from this fast, fluid first draft of history to a wider view of how history may absorb this historic precedent-breaking week. Because tonight, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Bob Woodward, who you see on the right, will analyze what you see on the left. He is known for his Watergate reporting at the Washington Post and so many best-selling books, including about now defendant Donald Trump. Mr. Woodward is our exclusive guest tonight on The Beat. So that is coming up. We begin with the fallout as a nation absorbs something many thought impossible even recently, something Donald Trump warned would roil the country and cause sustained riots. It did not. The fact and the imagery of a former president arrested by the same government he once ran. That was just yesterday. Jack Smith spoke out through his filing, through his team in court. And today, the person who hired Smith and oversaw the decisions leading to that arrest is speaking out about it for the first time. So we're going to show you here at the top of the broadcast what Attorney General Garland said today, a little bit of it, along with, together with Garland, the context of the only remarks we have heard from Special Counsel Jack Smith. I appointed uh, Mr. Smith. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical. Justice Department's commitment to both independence and accountability. Charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws. Mr. Smith is a veteran career prosecutor. A conspiracy to obstruct justice. Experienced and talented prosecutors and agents. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. Who share his commitment to integrity and the rule of law. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. There you have it. We put that together because... As everyone now knows, you have an attorney general and the special counsel he appointed. They work at the same Justice Department. We know that the attorney general has oversight there. We've never seen them in a room together. We certainly haven't seen them come out and speak on this case together. So now we have these bookended from today and last week. And the rule of law, clearly a theme for both men, which means one rule of law for all. And you can see the government machinery enforcing that approach In some of the new materials we've just gotten today, we now have the newly revealed bond document, in this case, U.S. v. Trump, defendant. It notes defendant Trump shall appear before the court. It notes that he must not violate any laws while on release in this case. There is no reason to expect him to be, for example, incarcerated before trial, but that is what it refers to, that he is on release. And yes, in theory, like any other defendant, if he blatantly violated other laws, that could take away his release before trial. Then you have the mandated signature in Donald Trump Sharpie. He is officially defendant in the eyes of this government that he once ran. We are looking at the machinery of the rule of law, documents that are instantly of great historic significance. Now, this reversal that Trump is going through from commander-in-chief to 
defendant awaiting fate about his liberty is quite a reversal. It's something that a military veteran and his former chief of staff, John Kelly, says is rattling Trump, telling the Post the former boss here now is scared bleepless. That's how we can say it on TV. And there's a stark contrast from Trump's public speeches and antics to what went actually what went down in the courtroom, which, again, we endeavored to bring you in real time yesterday. And now we have the transcript where we see inside the court for the first time that the judge asked, quote, is the prosecution asking for former President Trump to surrender his passport? And Jack Smith's prosecutor, his handpicked prosecutor for this case, says, no, Your Honor. We also see now in writing the judge's orders for defendant Trump, quote, I'm imposing the special condition that former President Trump may not communicate with a co-defendant, Waltine Nada, that's his full name, about the case. And we have these images that Donald Trump does not want the public to focus on. These are the moments that, as I've told you, he keeps distracting from with speeches and press appearances and his many, many social media posts. This is a portrait of two arraignments, each governed under the rules of access that we have. One in New York, where a photographer snapped this picture of Donald Trump morose there at the table for his arraignment. And the other, the sketch from yesterday in Miami, a twice impeached, now twice indicted president who awaits now two trials. We know that Trump was pretty silent in court. You have that image there again, captured yesterday, which is a contrast to what he tried to do hours later last night where he went to New Jersey and held a kind of a pep rally for MAGA loyalists, including the MyPillow guy. And I want to leave this on the screen for a moment because we are going to have many moments like this, many choices for voters to make in terms of what they focus on. We are a democracy where people pay attention to what they choose. Uh, the press, which sometimes is discussed, even over-discussed how the press figures out how and when to take this, as Rachel emphasized last night, we will give you certain facts from what Donald Trump did last night there, but we will not just be airing it live without any journalistic fact-checking or context. But the contrast that you see on your screen is important. It's where I begin tonight because Donald Trump wants his folks, first and foremost, but as many other people as he can, to focus on that. And if the critics attack that and overreact to that and respond to that, all the better because they will not be looking at the picture on the left, that Donald Trump sat quiet, powerless, out of control for 45 minutes while a court under the auspices of a branch of government that is part of the United States federal government that he once ran decided his fate, determined his future in this case where he does remain presumed innocent. Now, anything that Donald Trump says in those distraction efforts or defense efforts can be held against him. And we'll get into that as well tonight. But I mention this because we have now absorbed something that we were told might never happen. Or if it did happen, it would just have a total meltdown. That was Donald Trump's version of events. And now we're living through it. And you can decide for yourself. How does it feel? And can we handle it? And can we do this together as a country? Because we are past the Rubicon of the test. We will be tested on this. We will be following the rule of law. And we will be doing it through the trial. If it gets to a trial, he's afforded all the rights to challenge that or argue for dismissal. But if it gets to a trial, we will be tested by this very particular defendant who has been very clear, very blunt, even honest at times 
about his disdain for the laws that govern you and your life, his disdain for the national security apparatus, which dutifully tried to keep him and the rest of us safe, his disdain for any law enforcement, be it a police officer at the Capitol on January 6th or the FBI that has investigated him and found the evidence, his disdain for all of that and his argument as he argued against the peaceful transfer of power last time, that he is above all of it, that he is better than you, that he is above the state and its processes, and that the only time he likes judges or prosecutors or courts or anything else is when it already is rigged to personally benefit him. That is not the rule of law that Jack Smith and Merrick Garland were speaking about. I want to bring in an expert for these times. Maya Wiley worked as a civil prosecutor in the Southern District of New York. She now runs the Leadership Council for Civil and Human Rights uh, and was a mayoral candidate in New York. Welcome back. Good to be with you, Ari. Uh, What do you see in the contrast uh, that we note there after we take a breath and we've absorbed this all yesterday? uh, And there is a test here. Yeah, I mean, look, this is one of the reasons why so many people were calling for cameras in the courtroom, because the image that Donald Trump walked out of the court with, which was, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm going to be celebratory, I'm going to be confident, is a very, very different portrait from what we've seen in the drawings during the actual arraignment. And there is a reason for that. And you actually named it, Ari, right? He was... He had no control over uh, what was going to happen to him in the courtroom. It was not his decision. He was a defendant. He's playing to, when he walks out of the courtroom, uh, when he goes and and has his rallies, he's playing to the the bleachers, not the bench, uh, and playing for politics, not playing on the facts of the case, on the law, or what he's charged with. In fact, we even heard that from him yesterday, where he used extremely incendiary language, calculated at, frankly, distracting people, uh, saying, if the communists get me, I'm not sure who he's talking about. There's actually nobody involved in these proceedings who is overtly a member of the Communist Party. It's really a, a trope and a way of playing to people's fears that somehow, particularly in Miami, where there's a large Cuban population, where he's vying for Latino vote to say, look, I'm the national security guy as opposed to the guy who's undermining national security. That's all politics. And he is running for political office. The counterpoint is much harder for the American public to see because it's behind closed doors and without rolling cameras. And that's why some people were calling for them. What should we focus on right now? You know, we should really look at, um, we're not going to get a whole lot of information right away beyond what's in the indictment. I think what we really have to focus on is whether fair, accurate, and neutral information is getting provided to the American public about what this indictment is, what it represents, and what's at stake. Because right now, what's going to happen is, you know, Trump is going to figure out where who, who his legal team is going to be. You know, we're going to uh, see the prosecution considering what evidence, uh, what discovery it shares with Donald Trump's team. We're going to wait and see whether or not Will Nauta and Trump decide that whether they're going to have a cooperation agreement as defendants? There are, there are all these things that are going to get played out. It's going to take some time. We're going to be getting information drips and drabs. So the real issue is, do we understand what's at stake? Do we understand what the evidence is? Do we understand what's at stake when we hear 
that a former sitting president, there's audio tape that's where he says, I could have declassified, I didn't, I can't now, and it is a matter of national security to people who were not allowed to see that information. Uh, we've heard in the indictment that some of those documents actually had information that shared what our vulnerabilities were to attack. That is incredibly dangerous for this country. It is something that's important for us to understand. He has not been convicted, but it's important to understand what the evidence is and what it isn't, because we're hearing too many people doing false comparisons, mm. uh, disinformation, right. and we're hearing him try to villainize uh, public servants rather than address the facts. And we need to be focused on the facts. Yeah. Um, as our leadoff guest, I think that's very helpful. Uh, Maya Wiley, my thanks to you and all of our legal eagles have been working this week. Uh, when we come back, we get into the defense strategy, including Trump's admission. And the smoking gun tapes that plagued Richard Nixon have an echo here with Donald Trump. The one and only Bob Woodward is my special guest tonight on The Beat. So stay tuned for all of that. We've got a lot more ahead. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. <laughs> Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Many things are different now that Donald Trump has been federally indicted. There are facts in those detailed charges that were unsealed. Jack Smith's prosecutors presented them in court yesterday. Facts enable a public substantive reckoning with what Trump did based on the evidence. Now there are nonpartisan outlets reporting on the status of the current case, that the facts indicate had any other American done what Trump's accused of doing, that person would almost certainly be prosecuted as the New York Times put it today. The market-oriented The Economist magazine concluded the real injustice would have been not to indict Trump. Prosecutors who have risen to run the Justice Department under both Trump and Obama administrations speaking out with the same legal conclusion. There's overwhelming evidence here to indict. Basically, that it's a glaringly obvious call. And there's strong evidence to convict. Trump's former Attorney General Bill Barr saying the evidence suggests Trump is legally, quote, toast. Pretty damning assessment from experts who know how federal cases work. It may even inform how some Republican leaders are viewing this. The party bracing for a conviction may make different determinations than one betting that Trump will get out from under this again. Now, while Trump sat at his arraignment, he, of course, is in a room where he's presumed innocent. But that doesn't mean that he starts with a blank slate either. The public evidence is here. His second arraignment day has come in as many months. 
Trump was quiet in court, as we noted. The judge was in control. But when Trump did speak on these charges in New Jersey last night, he repeated a kind of past confirmation of one of those uncomfortable facts I just mentioned, that he knowingly took this material. Mueller prosecutor Andrew Weissman has broken down how that is more of an admission than a defense. When you are charged with the illegal retention, take the possession, the illegal possession of documents, it is not a good idea to say, hey, you want to know why I took these? Because I could. Mm -hmm. That is not a defense to that charge. That is an admission to that charge. Facts. That's legally true. It's why defense lawyers don't usually want their clients talking in public. It's also true that Trump has outrun past scrutiny by this tactic, kind of blustering, publicly admitting, then minimizing, and then trying to launder all kinds of stuff that he says he's done or could have done. So re-upping that strategy doesn't look helpful right now, but few expected Donald Trump to suddenly, at this late hour, change who he is or his approach to these types of scandals or now indictments. Indeed, Donald Trump stubbornly burying himself in public confessions may be exactly the kind of thing that Jack Smith's team has been betting on. I'm joined now by a former deputy chief of the criminal division from the Southern District of New York, Christy Greenberg. Uh, Welcome back. Your thoughts on that very point. Yes. So in terms of would someone else be charged? uh, Yes. And they have been. Just two weeks ago, a federal judge charged uh, Robert Burcham, former Air Force lieutenant colonel, to three years in prison for removing classified documents, hundreds of classified documents, and putting them in his home and in his office. And there are countless other examples of that. So when Donald Trump is making all of these admissions and making these speeches about, yes, I took them and this is why, the why doesn't really matter. The prosecutors don't have to prove why. They just have to prove that you took the documents, you knew they were classified, and you didn't turn them, you didn't turn them back over to the relevant authorities. So with every, with every speech he makes, he is speaking to the court of public opinion, but not to the court of law. And that's the court that he needs to be concerned about right now. Yeah. Uh, We mentioned that we have now more details. Yesterday, our reporters rushed to the cameras and microphones and told us, excuse me, what they heard and saw. But now we have the full transcript. And that's how this is going to work with federal courts. They are not known uh, for video transparency, which we prefer in this uh, field of video television news. Uh, They're not always even known for speed. Uh, But I did want to read now that we have it. We can wait a day and get to it. Um, Part of the arraignment transcript where the judge says, quote, I'm imposing the special condition that Trump may not communicate with the co-defendant, Nada, about the case. Um, Walk us through what that means in a proceeding like this. What is the sanction, given that Trump is sort of out on bond, um, if if he was found to directly break that rule? So I believe the judge made it clear that they could not speak about the case. I believe that Mr. Nada still works as the personal aide to Donald Trump. And so they are allowed to still communicate, but they can't talk about the case, nor will... uh, Donald Trump be able to talk to other potential fact witnesses that the government is going to identify. And that's pretty typical in criminal cases, especially when you have a criminal defendant that's charged with mm-hmm. obstruction of justice. So if he you does want to make it, sure they're not tampering with witnesses. If he does it, then what? 
Well, then he would be in violation of the terms of his release, his pretrial release conditions, at which point he would go before the judge and she would determine what the appropriate sanction was based on recommendations from pretrial services and from the prosecutors. Have you seen cases where if somebody blatantly violates something like that, they end up incarcerated in pretrial detention? Certainly violating the terms of your pretrial release is a way to get thrown in jail. I have certainly seen plenty of cases. One of them, uh, the fire Festival defendant that I had, Billy McFarland, uh, committed another crime, violated various conditions of his pretrial release and got put in prison. So, yes, you, you were um, you prosecuted the, the fire Festival defendant. I did. Yes. Interesting case. Uh, you know, we know about that. Uh, there were I think people might remember there was this whole scandal of a, a scam around a concert, multiple documentaries. Ja Rule had a, a role in, in, in promoting it. So you look at a case like that, uh, that individual was busted repeatedly of going back and trying to do the same stuff, as you say. Um, does it complicate it for the DOJ if they would do what you did there? You were at DOJ. But um, this is a person who wants to run for president, and they're so concerned about the, those equities. So if someone is violating the terms of their pretrial conditions that were ordered by a judge, it doesn't matter if he's running for president or, you know, the, the local, uh, you know, local office, whatever it may be. Uh, you have to hold them to account. The key, I think, is going to be really figuring out if he's actually in violation um, presumably his co-defendant is not going to share that, but perhaps other fact witnesses would. And it's not to say there can't be any communications. It just has to be through defense counsel and they can't be direct. So there, there are ways for them to to communicate on strategy. Well, I think it's important. I don't say it as a matter of prejudging um, this defendant's conduct, um, but rather being a journalist, a legal reporter who's seen Donald Trump do these things and double down, this may be tested. That's what I mentioned earlier in the broadcast. And so that goes back to what we showed Garland Smith said, which is rule of law. The bond rules do function that way for other people. And he is now one of the many federal defendants. Um, I'm sure you know that people sometimes project confidence. Rick Ross, who raps sometimes about law and order, said that uh, he tries to walk around and tell you everything is great even though he's out on bond and might be facing eight. And it's a reference to his experience with the system, right? But if you are on bond and facing multiple years, that's, that's no picnic. No, and really in this situation, you would hope that Donald Trump is listening to his defense attorneys. But right now he doesn't have his full defense team, which begs the question of why is it so hard to get a defense attorney for what is going to be the biggest criminal case hmm. in U.S. history, right? Hmm. But lawyers don't want to work for free. Uh, they want to get paid. They don't want to end up on the witness stand when a client asks them to break the law. And they also don't want to risk their law license or their liberty by actually well, potentially being engaging in any kind of crime. I think so you nailed it. And for him to build out his team. I think you nailed it. There are many ambitious lawyers who describing the outline of a case that's going to be the trial of the century that will be taught in school, law school and otherwise, they would say that's that's an interesting assignment. Um, but you don't want to be in the history books the way Mr. Corcoran, uh, Mr. McGann or John Dean were, um, which is a theme we, we're exploring tonight, how the lawyers get in trouble as well, with depending on the client. Uh, Ms. Greenberg, thank you so much. Thank you. On that related point, we look at history, we look at precedent and we have 
the legendary Watergate journalist and author Bob Woodward, live on the beat, the only place you'll see him tonight, next. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Donald Trump is the first president to ever be indicted by the government he ran. We have said that and repeated it because it is such a striking precedent. It also brings to mind many comparisons. And depending on how you study history or how much you live through our American history, they may be on your mind. We have, of course, the first American president who resigned in office. Richard Nixon left over Watergate and a very different time and a very different sense of what the accountability would be in the Congress of that time. Both Trump and Nixon trying immediately, initially and repeatedly, though, to avoid accountability. Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. By definition. Exactly. I have the right to do whatever I want as president. In my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination. I did everything right and they indicted me. Well, I'm not a crook. I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. Now, many people faced with accusations in public or private life will do some sort of accounting or denial. But then there is the evidence that piles up. And this is so striking that, again, if it were one of these movie plots, you'd say, are they rebooting the plot? Do they not have other ideas for the plot? But evidence always matters in these kind of cases. It matters in court. And the secret tapes and recordings that come about have an echo throughout history. Nixon famously busted over, in part, the smoking gun tape and the evidence that they basically knew what they were doing was wrong, and they were going in and trying to cut out parts of the tape because of the Watergate and assorted scandals. Nixon even instructing his White House chief of staff to try to get parts of the federal government, this is a type of abuse of power, and get control of them to get the FBI under control. You hear it just laid out, and he didn't think he would lose control of the tapes, so he thought they were his evidence, not evidence that would be used against him, pressing the FBI there quite blatantly through political appointees to stop doing its job or enforcing the law. Now, Nixon ultimately resigned because impeachment and possible indictment was very much on the table. That's, of course, why he accepted a pardon, because he needed one. Trump is in today's situation looking at the ongoing cases in now two jurisdictions. And one of the big 
key pieces of evidence that only emerged recently. If you talk to anyone around the country who says, didn't we know this was coming? Didn't we already know this? We didn't know until very recently that Trump's own lawyer made tapes, voice notes of what he was going through, including the pressure by Trump on him to break the law. Quote, as president, I couldn't have declassified it. Now I can't. Another tape, not from the lawyer, but from a process uh, that was related to writing a book. And then a staffer says on this tape that is now in the indictment, quote, now we have a problem. Right there, very quickly, I've shown you two types of tapes. Then there's the lawyers. Nixon had John Dean, the White House counsel who became the whistleblower. He became the star witness and a public accuser of Nixon on that road to liability for potential indictment and certainly to being run out of office. I began by telling the president that there was a cancer growing on the presidency. And if the cancer was not removed, the president himself would be killed by it. I also told him that it was important that this cancer be removed immediately because it was growing more deadly every day. Dean's memorable testimony about that metastasizing political criminal cancer. The reports also show that he was worried they were going to try to hang it on him, make him the fall guy. And that brings us to Trump lawyer Evan Corcoran. The DOJ got the extraordinary breakthrough of a judge approving the fact that there was enough criming going on to pierce the legal privilege, that Corcoran was being pulled in by Trump to cover up or commit new crimes. And that's where the tapes come in. Now, these aren't tapes of Trump's voice. They are tapes of Corcoran's voice, but they are very damning because they show what he says was happening at the time. They are likely now key evidence against Trump with instances where Trump was basically saying, could we pluck, destroy or hide bad or illegal stuff that he had in those now infamous seized boxes? Watergate led to many, many convictions. Where are we headed right now? Where should we be careful? What can we learn from history and what can we learn from being objective about evidence. We have the perfect guest tonight. I've told you to break this all down. Renowned journalist Bob Woodward is back with me live in 60 seconds. We are living through history, even as we humbly work on this first draft. As promised, I'm joined by journalist Bob Woodward, who helped break the Watergate scandal for The Washington Post. He's written many books, including a trilogy of books quite relevant on the Trump presidency, including the national security apparatus. He has an audio book of his newsworthy interviews with Donald Trump titled The Trump Tapes. Uh, Mr. Woodward, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. How do you view this federal indictment of Donald Trump? Clearly very uh, serious. Uh, I know talking to a couple of people about Jack Smith, the prosecutor here, uh, one of them made the point, said, I, I know Jack very well, and uh, he's the last person I want to be prosecuting me because he's so aggressive. I suspect uh, in other cases like this, I, I have seen where the prosecutor does not stop investigating. And uh, I'm pretty sure in this case, there is a lot of work to be done, lots of documents to go through. And in laying out the indictment, which is kind of a roadmap, they can now seek, and I suspect they will very aggressively, more witnesses, more documents, 
to explain what all of this is about. Mm -hmm. You are a student and an expert on presidential power. I think the viewers know that. And one thing we've seen with power is that it is subject to abuse uh, at its apex, not at its nadir. Uh, we've seen in clashes uh, over secrecy, over the Supreme Court, over wars, that presidents are sometimes tempted um, to accrue or abuse power in the national security arena. I want to show you the evidence and get your response that we see, for example, Walt Nada, uh, who shared this photo saying, I opened the door and found all these secrets spilling out. Um, there's stuff that the prosecutors redacted, but we know the, the classification levels. Boxes in the bathroom. Uh, I want to mention that the seriousness of this can't be understated, while at the same time, there's an almost extreme clumsiness to it. The HBO series, which looks at the Watergate break-in from a perspective, uh, discusses even the absurdities. Take a look. We strike tonight. These are the wrong tools. What? He has the wrong tools. This time we walk straight in the front door. It's a double-sided deadbolt. Somebody needs to clean this mess up. You want us to break in a fourth time? Wait, what do you mean a fourth time? Nothing. It's by talk. We leave it to you to draw any parallels, but what do you see about the fact that national security, so serious, uh, can also be abused as an excuse to evade accountability or to just have stuff spilling out onto the floor uh, in, in Trump's world? Well, there's, there's so, so much negligence in all of this. Looking through the documents, I mean, there's some, uh, two of the documents uh, point to human sources, which are the most sensitive crown jewels in the intelligence world. And I was shocked to see those documents uh, in the list, uh, the most highly classified and uh, the idea that somehow Trump would want to keep these documents mm. about some secret source that the CIA would have in some other government. And we'll put uh, those on the screen while you, the while you analyze, because you flagged this. We have document 24 on foreign country military uh, and then the one regarding the human uh, products. Uh, walk us through why, why you flagged that. Well, because these these are so important, they're in uh, history been examples like uh, the famous Penkowski case, uh, the information. He was a spy in the Soviet Union, provided information that helped President Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis in the 80s. Uh, the CIA had a human source uh, that provided all the data about weapon systems that the Soviet, uh, Soviets had. And, and this spy was uh, accurately dubbed the billion dollar spy because the value of what he gave the government. And the idea that the president of the United States or former president uh, has these documents is uh, got no respect for them. Richard Helms, uh, the CIA director, uh, once told me, he said, uh, a mother protecting her chicks is nothing compared to what the CIA will do to protect their operations and sources. And 
Trump uh, in these in these cases, in the other documents, who knows where this is going to go? It he doesn't care. And uh, I remember in these interviews with him asking him, what's the job of the president? And he said to protect the people. He was doing the opposite. He was endangering the people. How does his conduct, as as described in these filings, as well as uh, the other information we have in your reporting as well, compare to Richard Nixon? Well, in, in the case of Nixon, of course, there were the tapes and John Dean, the whistleblower, and uh, Dean had 35 conversations with Nixon, uh, which he testified to. And then we later got the tapes that validated what uh, Dean said, uh, Dean was in charge of the cover-up. Here, in the case of Trump, Trump was in charge of the cover-up in the concealment of o- ordering people. Uh, I mean, his uh, you have to feel sorry for his valet being indicted uh, because he was doing uh, what Trump ordered. And so we're going to, I think this is going to be drip, drip. Uh, more information, more explanation, the sadness and uh, the morality play in this, and there is a big one, is that Trump is all about himself. Uh, I think he looks at democracy as enemy territory, something, oh, it's about the people or it's about the interests of the people, not about the interests of Donald Trump. And unfortunately and pathetically, time and time uh, again in the years of work I have done, uh, Ari on your show, other people, uh, it, it is never Trump saying, oh, what's in the national interest hmm. here? It was always what's in Donald Trump's interest. And that's quite damning, as you say. The evidence is strong and there is a part of Trump's personal defense and some of his allies who really alienate uh, anyone looking at a fair, a factual approach to this because they have been so rabid and in their own way unfair. At the same time, he is legally presumed innocent. We are talking about a trial process. The burden is entirely on the aforementioned special counsel Smith and the DOJ, not on the defendant. And so uh, given that we we try to do this right or learn, what do you think is important to keep in mind for fairness um, to, to the defendant and to the facts as we as a nation now embark on this? I think it's really important to make sure we take the partisan edge off of this and Uh, that we look at this. uh, Jurors down in South Florida are presumably going to get this case someday, a trial, and they may look at this differently. It always depends on the audience, and that's got to be realized. And uh, this is is not a partisan hunt. I don't see any evidence uh, in this indictment or what we know about the investigation that this is partisan. It is an effort to say, wait a minute, the former president of the United States took all these documents, concealed them, 
covered them up. I mean, it's a classic case of obstruction of justice. And uh, we're going to, you know, be looking at this question, which maybe will never be answered. But why? Why would wh- why wouldn't somebody say to Trump or him have this sense of what am I jeopardizing here in terms of national security and of my own legal vulnerability? I you know, it's again, I spent all these hours with Trump and you uh, always come up against a wall in a way when you deal with Trump because he's he's got an answer or he's going to uh, spin you off on something. And uh, it's it it's too bad for him and his family and his supporters. Hmm. Yeah. As you say, there, there, there's the human aspect to it. There's what we've learned. Uh, and then there's the real the human tragedy of, of all the people that are impacted by it. Uh, it's so interesting hearing your perspective on this, uh, Bob. This was our longest interview segment of the night, and I still could have gone a lot longer. I hope you will come back, sir. And, and thank you for uh, for making time for the beat on a, a week this large when I know you're in demand. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, Bob Woodward, the legendary journalist, joining us on the big news ahead. How is the world absorbing all of this as we wrap up the hour when we come back? This entire thing came about because of reckless conduct uh, of the president. Battle plans for an attack on another country or, or, or Defense Department documents about our capabilities are in no universe Donald J. Trump's personal documents. If even half of it is true, then he's toast. I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's a very detailed indictment, uh, and it's very very damning. Former Republican Attorney General Bill Barr says he has the menu. Trump is on it, and he's toast. That's how it's playing there in Washington legal circles. People on the right may notice what Bill Barr says. How's it playing? How is it playing around the country? Well. We start with the city where it happened. The Miami Herald's headline goes, Trump pleads not guilty in Miami. The New York Times, quite the paper of record, described the momentous scene in Miami as Trump pleads not guilty. The New York Post, known for its wit, a rain on his parade, with a little bit of a pun there. The news landed on international front pages. You see here from papers from Canada to Brazil, the guilty question mark. This is big news no matter how you cut it and no matter how you think about it. We are absorbing it here. And with all of the talk sometimes about American exceptionalism, we might be more accustomed to looking at these kind of cases abroad and looking at former leaders abroad who get in trouble than realizing we are now one of those countries. Is that good or bad is really the wrong question. The right question is what I think Bob Woodward was encouraging us to reflect on tonight, that this has to be about facts and evidence that rhetoric about witch hunts doesn't make it a witch hunt, but fairness, as we await what the court does and what a jury does, is also incumbent upon all of us. These are serious times. You know, sometimes I I have a a joke or a reference for you on this broadcast. We don't try to take ourselves always so seriously, but we are in this now. We are up against it, and we're going to try to do it together with seriousness and fairness. Thanks for spending time with us during this historic week on The Beat with Ari Melber. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. 
Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. 